Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Manufacturing Matters, where we discuss the technologies and the trends that are affecting the automation market, general manufacturing, and everything that makes sure that manufacturing still matters here in the U.S. and around the world. Now, today, we're here lucky enough to be with Jason and Steve from Ortex Corporation. How are you doing, guys? Doing well. Great. Fantastic. Jason, Steve, Steve, why don't you kick us off, tell us a little bit about you, and then kick it over to Jason, and uh, he can tell us a little bit about himself and Mortex. Sure. Um, my name is Stephen Pereira, sales manager for Mortex North America. Been with the company for 17 years. I handle the eastern U.S. and Canada, um, provide sales support as well as technical and uh, engineering services. I have a degree in computer engineering from the University of Rhode Island, and I'm fascinated with optics and lighting design and implementation. That makes you a super geek, Steve. Excited about <laughs> optics. Yeah, Jason. Jason, yep. tell us about yourself. All right. Yeah, yep. So I also have a background in engineering. It's electrical engineering. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm the president of Mortex North America, responsible for our business strategy and development uh, here in North America and actually really the Americas. Um, I, I manage also our sales, application engineering, customer service, and support team in the region. Um, I've been with Mortex almost 20 years now. Outstanding, outstanding. Um, um, what, you want to tell us a little bit more about Mortex in the, in the market you serve and the products you serve? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, Mortex actually was established in the 70s, um, and uh, we started out as an illumination supplier for machine vision applications and really moved into optics in the late 80s, early 90s. So today, we're one of the leading uh, supplier of lens and lighting components and integrated optomechanical solutions for machine vision um, and other imaging uh, uh, market verticals. Um, and one of these applications is LiDAR, uh, which is a little bit more recent due to the, the developments that have enabled that market. Um, and uh, overall, you know, we operate across the world and supplying uh, our, our products uh, that are mainly designed in Japan. Um, and then manufactured either in uh, Vietnam or Shenzhen, uh, China. That's great, Steve. Um, you know, I I, uh, I I haven't met you before, but it's really good to meet you. And, and Jason, I, I know you from my days as uh, editor-in-chief at Vision Systems Design. And, you know, when we worked together there, I, I, I thought of Moratex as sort of a, a machine vision optics company. And uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, uh, the work Moratex is doing in the, in the field of LiDAR? Yes, yes, for sure. Um, so actually, we we joked internally uh, that uh, we we used to be a semiconductor optics company uh, because the majority of our, our products were telecentric lenses that were used for semiconductor applications, whether it's you know coarse and fine alignment or metrology. Um, but uh, uh, that market's relatively volatile, as we all know. Um, and so, Abortex looked to diversify uh, its product portfolio um, in the the early two thousands. Um, and that's really, uh, we've really taken some um, organizational, let's say, and also market opportunities to expand into certain areas, one of which is, is as I mentioned, LiDAR optics. Um, so Moratex today, uh, we design uh, and manufacture uh, lenses or other optical components and assemblies for, uh, mostly for flash LiDAR. Um, there's a, a, a variety of different types of LiDAR that we can get into. Um, but so today we work with the different uh, companies that are in the space um, in developing their systems from uh, early on, looking at applications and different require, help them to set their different requirements and then uh, provide them different solutions and, and walk with them through the, the path uh, to uh, 
mass production. That's interesting. I know. I know when I was when I was editor in chief of Laser Focus World, uh, we we did a, we covered a lot of uh, topics on lidar, and there are a lot of new and interesting technologies coming out, like FMWC. Can you can you talk a little bit about um, some of the different types of lidar and and how Mortex is involved in those? Yeah, and actually, I have a nice um, you know a reference that I can use here. Uh, if you give me one moment, but um, uh, to share my screen. Sorry. You know, before, that... before we jump into the technology types, you know, let's let's establish you know, a little bit in terms of the importance of this of this assembly. First of all, Mortix's background in optical assemblies, doing optical assemblies, seems to good well position yourself as a lidar supplier. So that's, and I think we're going to delve in as we talk about the different components and the um, design considerations depending on the application of the lidar solution that the specific customer needs, yes. which is super sweet. But at the same time, uh, you know, for those who don't know, LIDAR is one of the key sensing elements for autonomous vehicles, right? Whether it's from level one through five, for example, Allied Vision shows autonomous vehicles growing from 76.13 billion in 2020 to 2.1 trillion by 2031 for a CAGR of 40%. Um, I, I, probably in every market in the market, in, in the, in the uh, automated imaging space, Nothing has a CAGR like that, not, not even close, right? So um, autonomous market, vehicle market is exploding. And uh, you say, okay, well, LiDAR is just a small component, right? It's just a small piece of that. But if we look at the LiDAR market, its growth, just by its lonesome, it's going to go from 1.1 billion in 2021 to 7.8 billion by 2031, a CAGR of 21%, you know, which is still awesome, completely off the charts when we talk about the capabilities. And then of course, LiDAR has been in the news a lot lately because of Elon Musk's decision to try to get away from LiDAR, which I find incredibly ironic. I mean, well, he's trying to depend on imaging systems for autonomous navigation of his cars. To me, the irony is that it's my understanding that Tesla is still using LiDAR in all of the prototyping systems. So it's safe enough for prototyping, but not necessarily, you know, he's trying to make the argument, which most of the market I believe is rejecting right now, that somehow you can go completely autonomous without LiDAR. So I, I think it's um, important for us to think about, do you have just a general thought on that, Steve, Jason, in terms of does autonomy work without LiDAR in a safe operation? There's a there's a number of jokes that I'll I'll hold back about that, um, you know, because you know, I think no, we do jokes here, man. We do jokes. Oh, we do jokes. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, you know, it's uh, sometimes people just want to say things that that seem to be um, you know, breaking a mold or uh, you know want to be controversial. Um, but I think anybody with a practical, so I mean, look at the problem here. So we're trying to create an environment, uh, you know with vehicles, but actually this relates to the bigger picture, you know, uh, of our cities, our streets, um, you know, where we have vehicles that are extremely safe. So some of the requirements, um, you know, for autonomous vehicles are just total pie in the sky compared to any other technology uh, that was developed in the past, like airplanes, you know, um, we're not we're not concerned about 10% failure, we're talking about 0.0000, you know, 1% failure um, and beyond. So, I mean, if you look at the practicality of that, you need sensor redundancy. So no matter what, you're gonna need different types of sensors, right. whether it's LIDAR, radar, vision, uh, you know, clear. I mean, the answer is yes, right? As many sensors as you can pack into a vehicle to ensure the safety uh, and security when you get to these fully uh, autonomous uh, vehicles. 
or whatever they are, systems. You know, we can look at uh, the forklifts, any, anything else. Um, so, yeah, first off, that was my, my high-level view. It's that there's going to be sensor redundancy no matter what. Um, and LiDAR has a lot of advantages uh, versus some of the other sensors uh, types. Uh, so I believe that definitely it'll be it'll be used. Um, the, the which applications and where I think it, it, that that'll all kind of the market will work its way work that out. But uh, overall, definitely lidar will be used in autonomous vehicles and in other systems. I wonder if at some point the NHTA with National Highway Transportation Safety Administration, right? I think that's the the long name there. I wonder if at any point they're going to try to tackle standards and say. All right, y'all, if you're going to be driving on U.S. roads, you know, you, you need this level of redundancy. You need something from group A, B, C, D. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether. Have, have you guys heard from your work whether there's any um, any efforts at the government level or federal level? Or? Um, I, from what I understand, there are efforts. Um, we're not we're not as focused on that. We let our the customer of our customers uh, uh, kind of worry about that a little more. We just look at it for market trends and, and directions. Um but yeah, there are some efforts, and and remember, this is a two-way conversation, right? Not only do the sit, uh, whatever's moving need to have sensors, but also there'll be fixed sensors uh, on highways. Um, so, and then when you have everything that's connected, uh, then you have the ability uh, to to really control the environment. But uh, anyway, so yeah, there are there are. I know that there's efforts in certain uh, on the federal level and also certain states, especially Michigan, uh, California, Arizona, um, that that uh, they have some efforts to to regulate this. Um, that might affect the Kager and, and other other details of the market uh, <laughs> uh, more than than anything else. But uh, but yes, I know it's it's in in progress, but I don't I don't know so much about it. I'm not an expert. Well, you know what? If we have to shave off two percentage points off forty point one percent, I guess we'll all survive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to the technology, man. You were about to start talking about the different flavors of LiDAR. Well, maybe I have a question that just popped up before we get into that. Uh, you know, just regarding the, you know, we're, we're focused kind of a lot of the conversation has been on autonomous vehicles on the road, you know, for moving people around. But, you know, in in manufacturing, warehousing and logistics, we're seeing a lot more autonomous mobile robots, uh, tugs and forklifts and stuff like that. Are you looking into those markets as well as uh, autonomous vehicles? Yeah, well, Mortex is focused on, on those markets as well. So uh, similar to the same discussion between um, forklifts, uh, sorry, uh, Elon Musk and Vision um, versus LiDAR, the same is being uh, done for autonomous forklifts as well. So there's some companies that do um, Vision uh, for guidance and some that do LiDAR as well. Now in the mobile um, forklifts and AMRs uh, space, uh, the advantage for vision is a little bit better uh, because they're able to get out of spaces that they're not supposed to be in. Um, whereas some of the other units, uh, they get lost somewhere and then they have to completely shut down. Whereas uh, vision guided uh, robotics for forklifts uh, in specific where things are not supposed to be where they are can help them get around and move around different objects uh, that are there. Um, but uh, both spaces do use both uh, vision as well as LiDAR and other type of sensors. Okay, well, yeah. John, you open that door. I get to do a follow-up then. Yeah, so, sure, sorry. <laughs> so, Steve, on the warehouse side, do you, I mean, do you see that kind of as a shorter-term market where, where LiDAR sales or like Mortex can expect to get greater traction and volume, even though the volume's nowhere close, right, to getting Volvos? But, I mean, do, is that a shorter term or do you see these developing a pace? 
uh, autonomous vehicles and warehouse forklifts. AR. Yeah, so it's it's both uh, short term and long term. So um, it's a, a big investment now in order to make it more safe in the um, factories, and so that's where a lot more AMR and safety protocols are going to be in place. Um, but it's also long term as well. So um, whereas the roads are going to be safer, and that's kind of longer term, um, a, a safe and smart uh, factory is something that's here and now that could be achieved and uh, rolled out uh, in a quick way uh, through the next five to 10 years. Yep. The, and the sort of the analog you can, the comparison you can give is like, so, okay, autonomous vehicles. So I, I know there's the levels of a, a, a autonomous driving and, and whatnot, but I think that the move from each one has been limited by different obstacles. So I think kind of we throw that out the window a little bit, uh, let's say, but uh, and just focus on on getting sensors out in the market, right? So. Right. In vehicles, you're talking about robo taxis, you know, to move to trucking, to fleets, and then to consumer facing. So the the safety regulations, you know, uh, kind of get more difficult, um, or and I should say the the cost barriers for entry, like cost especially. Um, but uh, the similar thing is happening also. You'll you'll see them in warehouse robots with uh, lidar systems mounted to the top or back or front for for uh, you know seeing the, the general environment in warehouses and then I'll, that'll move along to grocery stores um, you know and other other environments so uh, to the point where all this technology will be ubiquitous um, but it's it's the same kind of progress and you know volume does increase as you you go through each step but also there are new challenges especially when interacting with with humans right um, so or more more and more humans and, and uh, um, when more safety is at risk. So you mean when I go grocery shopping soon, the dude who is parked right in the middle of the aisle, you know, and is completely oblivious to this car's going to automatically move out of the way. You just made my day a little bit better, you know. <laughs> We'd hope so. But I think more more for the short term, just uh, it'll help keep things on the shelves, so we don't have to ask somebody for help. But uh... <laughs> uh, damn it, I thought I was going to have easier access to my ramen noodles or something. Like, okay. All right, it's the little things. Your Oreo cookies actually will be moving towards you in a mobile robot to make sure that you don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, product um, suggestions. Yeah, they, I yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, John. I'll shut up now. For like well, two yeah, I guess now maybe we should get into the different types of LiDAR technology and, and how Mortex is involved in those. All right. Um, so first I should say, you know, just to remind everyone, we talked about... Um, you know, the, the the different uh, uh, some of the different details of of the autonomous systems and markets. So I mean, we're we're an office company, right? So we're dealing with the developers of these these lidar assemblies. Um, and let's see, let me share my screen here. I should have had this queued. Sorry, but did not. Okay. So you you mean everyone wants to do it slightly different? You got to be kidding! Seriously, who would have told you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so here, yeah, let me let me uh, give a quick overview of the, the different LiDAR technologies. Now, I should say caveat, um, I borrowed pretty heavily from the internet and from presentations that I've seen on this. So this is not such an original slide, um, but, uh, and also it's put in order uh, the, on purpose so that we start with MEM scanning. So this is the sort of the original technology that was implemented for, for LiDAR. Um, in case you, you aren't aware, uh, uh, this is coming from Velodyne, uh, and Velodyne actually their their headquarters is about two miles from our office here, where I sit in San Jose at this moment. But uh, um, just a coincidence. Um, but so the MEM scanning actually was the, 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 these are the, the first product that you see in the market. 
um, with these uh, <clears throat> that are mounted at the tops of vehicles typically, and you have um, this uh, uh, scanning mirror system, let's say, um, uh, that's that's imaging. And uh, uh, this this is again the most common that you see now from Velodyne and other makers, um, but being replaced by other technologies that are a little bit later to the market, but I think have a, a little bit a better chance to um, be produced at an affordable cost and implemented in you know small form factor uh, solutions. So what I should say is that first is all of these different technologies have some sort of emitter or light being emitted that might be steered. Uh, and then also a, re a receiver. So this receiver is taking in uh, the light from the, that's reflecting off the object. Um, and then there's you know computation that's done in order to make decisions for a vehicle or just collect data. Um, but so MEM scanning is is microelectronic mechanical electromechanical systems is what MEM stands for. But uh, these these are some of the original uh, lidars. Um, but flash lidar really is is taken a forefront because uh, a place in the forefront is because it's based on different technologies that are that are used in different markets, right? So they can use a, a CMOS sensor, um, a, you know, that that is not too different from a traditional camera, um, and then they have different light emission technologies, whether it's lasers or VIXELs, um, that also are used for, for other applications, including, uh, you know, there's there's flash-based LiDAR components that are in an iPad. So uh, the volume that you get from these other applications will, will bring down the cost and make it more affordable for flash to be used in the market. Um, but also there's uh, the FMCW you mentioned, which is Frequency Modulated Continuous Wave. OPA, polygon mirror, which is also pretty common. These are in alphabetical order after flash, <laughs> uh, not, not in order of importance. Um, but uh, what we'll probably talk the most about today is flash LIDAR, um, because we believe that it's the, uh, you know, again, one of the best uh, as far as, uh, you know, uh, technology and, and affordability and size for the markets. One key thing to highlight, though, is that the wavelengths for all of these different LIDAR systems or technologies um, are non-visible, right. which is very important. So for yeah. vision-based uh, imaging in a vehicle, uh, you have a, a lot of a, a lot of challenges with the, the wide spectrum of lighting. Uh, you need these uh, somewhat specialized HDR sensors in some cases, high dynamic range sensors, um, and and so in this case, you know we don't care about any of the the, the visible range light. And we can focus on narrow wavelengths and really, uh, you know, improve the uh, reduce the amount of noise and other uh, obstacles that we might detect that we're not concerned with here. Does that how does that align with sun spikes? Um, I'm just curious in terms of spikes, you know, on, on solar radiation. Is that is that a consideration there in terms of the the noise and interference you mentioned earlier? Uh, sorry, can you repeat the question? Yes, I was just wondering how do those wavelengths relate to um, the solar spectrum? Okay, you know, and its effect on noise and uncertainty, measurement yep. uncertainty. Yep, yep. Um, so the a lot of the the flash, especially for flash lidar, uh, we're more familiar with. But in general, lidar systems will have typically a solar filter, so the, the, they're actually filtering out um, the a large part of the the spectrum except for the wavelengths that uh, are of interest. So, um, you know, in a, a kind of a traditional flash LiDAR setup, you'll have, like I, I had mentioned, you're, you have the transmitter the, and the receiver. Um, 
you will have the the receipt the transmitter will actually emit a pretty already narrow wavelength so you don't need a filter but on the receiver side you're you're taking in everything right so right. yes you, you'll typically they'll be mounted there or whether it's the cover of the, the lidar assembly uh, there will be a, a filter to filter out those unneeded uh wavelengths cool okay is there um is there are there concerns with lidar about interference from other lidar systems that may be either on the warehouse floor or out on the road? Yes, yes. So um, very much so, uh, and uh, this is something that's a bit of a challenge, right? Because if you think about it, it's not just other lidar systems on the road, but um, you know, there's they're actually in, in a a vehicle, most likely there's going to be different uh, LIDAR systems assembled in that vehicle, right? So, for example, in a, the front of a, a if, if you're looking at a, a truck, right, where you, you need to stop from a really long range, right, because the, the size, weight of the vehicle and the velocity that's traveling, so you need to see way out in front. Well, also, um, you're concerned about, uh, you know, someone walking around the vehicle or, you know, other vehicles in the that are, that are next to you. So, you, you have a short range and long range LIDAR that might be uh, actually in the same assembly and they're both emitting light and, you know, uh, the same wavelength. So not just of, of other wavelengths. Uh, so yeah, there, this, this is a major problem. Um, a lot of it, you, you know, you can control this with um, a certain optics or special optics that might eliminate light or uh, cut light from, from different angles. Um, also, uh, there's uh, computational algorithms for the uh, the lidar systems that can be used um, to identify to, to try to make sure that the, the light that's being uh, collected and then the image that's being processed is coming from can be actually mapped out to the transmitter. So there's there's different optical techniques that you can use to, to eliminate some of this, but a lot of it's based on the computation. I would think you could, as much as you could do an optics, you'd like to, right? Just to lower the computational requirements, power requirements. It's a passive filtering mechanism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to limit the 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 load, and also it's 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 real time, right? Uh, for the <laughs> for the most part, right? <laughs> Latency yep. is not an issue when it comes yes. to light. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the difference uh, from an optical design standpoint of designing, you know, optics for? LIDAR versus for, you know, traditional machine vision and imaging type applications. Yes, yes, definitely. Go ahead, Steve. Sure. Um, traditional machine vision optics are for general uh, applications. So you're going to have, uh, you're going to want to have a flexibility in the amount of light that's received or the F number, as well as the working distances and the, um, the fields of view that you're going to have. Whereas in LIDAR, you're going to have it uh, specialized. So you're going to specialize it for the different types of F numbers, specialize it for the wavelength, and also uh, for chromatic aberration and, and other things. Uh, one thing that Vortex is very good at is um, mapping the different uh, light waves and eliminating um, distortion or crosstalk, which is very, very important in, in LiDAR systems. Um, and it's similar, but not exactly the same as uh, distortion in traditional machine vision fields. Well, and then you have the the, the other challenges, right? Um, uh, size is one thing. So um, it, these, when we talk about, we've already talked about some of the challenges with the MEM scanning, where you have a you know the some large mirror or, or other polygon mirror application. But in flash lidar, uh, the assemblies, the target is to have the assembly be smaller than um, you know in a two D the business card. Right. So 
think about the, the lens has to be quite small. Uh, you know, actually, the lens typically is the largest component of the entire system, uh, other than the, the housing. Um, but then, uh, then cost, right? Because you know the the and production repeatability over high volumes, um, machine vision volumes where you know high volume is um, you know five thousand, ten thousand, you know maybe hundred thousand. Um, that in automotive, some of that, the, you know, the, the high volume is millions. Right. And uh, so repeatability over high volume is 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 really important as well. Um, and some of that is, you know, we designed in uh, to, to the optics. So what to base what Steve, go back to what you were saying a minute ago, Steve, sir, are, are you saying that when it comes to LiDAR systems, you actually have higher optical requirements, performance requirements than you do for general imaging applications? Uh, yes, higher optical uh, requirements, as well as um, specialty requirements, reduction of uh, straight light and all of that. And they want it to be $20 or $10 and less. So, yeah, it's a challenge, but uh, there are different types of manufacturing um, techniques that we can use in order to reach those goals. So. Based on... Jason's point about how we need small package sizes, does that mean we have a smaller sweet spot? So kind of, you know, even though we're having to manufacture these to tighter tolerances and specifications, the, uh, you know, the, the, the aberration-free section of the lens is actually much smaller. Is that a consideration at all when we're talking about volume units? Um, uh, no, they want the best of everything <laughs> at the lowest cost. No, no. So Customers. <laughs> yeah, customers don't want everything. No, who, who would say such a thing, right? Um, free. Yeah. Don't, say, get, don't forget free. <laughs> <laughs> there's that, yeah, too, right? Um, so you know, and and there's there. I have another. If you guys uh, uh, you know would like, we have another visual that we can show here. Um, like visual kind, of, kind of giving yeah. the, the quick summary. Um, Steve had already touched on uh, a, a few of these, but um, sort of to, to Win's question. Um, the we talk about f number so f, f1 is a very bright lens most machine vision traditional lenses you know they're they're um they're going to be darker than that and they're going to be used at a small uh, you know a, a higher f number setting which is actually a darker setting i know it's a little bit confusing but um so uh anyway so the, these lenses because we're filtering out other wavelengths where we have a, a near infrared uh typically near infrared or infrared wavelength that we're transmitting, we're, we need to collect as much light as possible. So that's why I think of F number and, and these things, you know, that's the angle of light or the amount of light that you're collecting. So, um, you know, we, we want to collect as much light as possible, but at the same time, we, we don't want stray light, right? So we don't want light from other, this is what we mentioned, we don't right. want light from other, other systems, um, from angles that are unwanted, um, and so we we use different optical techniques and, and uh, optomechanical techniques to to minimize the stray light because stray light then becomes either unwanted signal or noise right it can be it can be looked at in the same way mm -hmm. um, and then you know so that's the and then for optics we talked about already minimization uh, or you know uh, sorry redu reduction in size and cost but then also there's the the environmental uh, aspects um, so. Anti-fog, you don't want these things to fog up. You know, if you're if you're traveling at a you know 70 miles an hour on a highway and you need to stop, you don't want to not be able to see a car in front of you because there's condensation uh, in the optics. Um, vibration resistance, you know, these have to be stable over te wide temperature ranges. Um, and then uh, of course, you know, we have to meet the the different quality and uh, uh, 
require uh, repeatability, reliability, et cetera, requirements for IETF and other other certifications. So, thanks, thanks, Jason. I had a question about the uh, you know you talked about MEMS and uh, you know Galvos and different methods of beam steering that are kind of used in some of these different types of lidar technology. Is is flash lidar a solid state technology or does that have beam steering as well? Mechanical components. Are... Yep. So, so John, you you uh, you know hit it hit the nail on the head. Maybe what I should have said coming into all this. So uh, that's one of the the biggest benefits actually from flash. LIDAR and uh, FMCW and these other um, technologies where you don't have any moving components like a mirror. Um, uh, so yes, th this solid state is the is the aim for all LIDAR systems, you know, um, and flash LIDAR right now is the leader in, in being able to deliver an actual solid state product. Um, mm -hmm. I, I am aware there are different uh, systems where they actually spin, they'll, they'll like spin a flat flash LIDAR. Um, but once the the technology and the volumes increase, so cost and uh, you can you can stack a bunch of cost goes down. You can stack a bunch of these in in different systems. Um, then you don't have to spin it any longer, right? But yeah, that's that's the um, yeah definitely solid state lidar is required. Uh, so what I understand is that some of these um, spinning lidar systems need to be calibrated, you know, every year, two years, um, whereas a flash system, in theory. Um, you know, uh, without any accidents or other, uh, other any other issues, um, you, you would wouldn't have to calibrate, uh, may, possibly ever, or it might be uh, you know quite a bit longer, you know, five, ten years. That seems like a Pandora's box. I know people who don't change their oil for three years. You know, yeah. so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the cars only last three and a half years, but that's a that's a side point. Yeah. Um, I, I'd like to follow up question if I could. You were talking about how right now in some cases flash is going to spending to keep our component and our cost structure down, right? Even though it brings calibration issues and, and other things. Can you talk about how far are we from based on with Moratex Optics working with your uh, downstream providers to develop a working assembly, working module, right? Where are we in terms of cost today to where we need to be for widespread adoption? And is there a path to get there? Because squeezing you know because manufacturing costs out of optics is not the easiest thing to do i mean physics is physics right so yeah. um tell us the bad news <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so we uh as a optics you said we do jokes here right so um you know as a as an optics company we're usually the ceiling when it comes to you know physics you know <laughs> uh you know electronics can can be developed quite a bit faster um and uh, you know we have to always come back with the, the bad news in, in, in any system development, um, you know, because we live in the real world. Uh, and <laughs> uh, fortunately or unfortunately, um, so I mean th there is a path. If you if you go to like CES um, and walk around, you can see different products that are that are uh, being marketed for applications uh, like mounted to drones. So mm -hmm. these are drones that are only a couple thousand dollars. Um, so, you know, the, the LiDAR assembly can't be, you know, more than, um, you know, I don't know, $20, $50 maybe uh, in, in such a product. So already for the low end applications, there are, it's relatively affordable, uh, you know, LiDAR. I think for uh, vehicles, the, the path is a little bit longer um, because, again, these we're talking about long range, most complex systems. Yeah. So, so I'd say that, uh, um, you know, there is a path. Um, a lot of it comes with volume, and for optics, 
you know, based using the, the, the different technologies we have and materials we have today, um, it's, a, it's a bit more of a challenge. Um, but really what it comes down to is uh, being able to design a product that you can then manufacture repeatedly, uh, you know, with repeated performance and quality um, in a certain way so that you can keep costs down to a minimum. So there's different, different techniques. I mean, some LiDAR lenses will be all plastic. Uh, they could be a plastic, you know, and glass optical components with aluminum barrels. Could be plastic barrels with, you know, uh, you know, uh, different, you know, hybrid optics. So yeah, there's there's different techniques. I'd say again for us, it's it's a it's a bigger challenge. Uh, it's not, it's not such a clear path. But right. on the electronics and other components, uh, the path is very clear, right? right. The, the scale. You look if you look at CMOS CCD sensors before CMOS and the scalability and the cost reduction. So the other components, that's why we, we talk about flash a lot. That's why flash is so, again, um, it, it, I believe will be, you know, the, the winner in all this or the leading, let's say, of the, the LiDAR technologies um, is because of the 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 this volume and uh, um, scale of uh, mass production that, that you'll see in this space, but then also outside in adjacent markets. Yeah, I was wondering, maybe dovetailing off of that, if you could, you know, maybe talk a little bit about how how Moratex prioritizes, you know, innovation and technology advancement, you know, within its business strategy, you know, and and you know, what step, steps do does Moratex take to, you know, kind of stay at the forefront of of like this industry? So you want to know our, our biggest secrets? That's that's all you're asking for. Yeah, that was actually be my next question. Actually, <laughs> yeah. if you could, if you give us the financial reporting before, <laughs> I'm sorry, just kidding. <laughs> CC, it's a total joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, no. In in Japan, I mean, all, we we have to be quite open with our our financials. So that's that part's easy, right? Okay. Um, no. Uh, uh, yeah. So. I mean, it's it's a difficult question. I mean, we could talk, have another podcast, I think, about this um, episode about this. Um, but yeah, so I mean, for Mortex, uh, a lot of it is. I mean, first, we one of the the main things, and, and we really believe in this, is developing our people. I mean, um, we when I joined Mortex, you know, uh, twenty years ago, we had limited resources for for optical design. Today, we have fifty. Uh, out of out of 450 500 employees depending on cycles uh, we have 50 opto and opto mechanical engineers so we have a high number of engineers in the company we really invest in in, in these engineers and uh you know their um the, the different tools that they have uh and the education that they have we also again speaking of tools we also invest in different uh, software technologies that allow us to design and simulate uh you know the performance of optics um mm -hmm. So really, really focused on, on that side of things. Um, but of course, then you have to research materials, uh, you know, because uh, that, that's one of the key, as I, as I already mentioned, key paths to mass production and, and affordability or, you know, uh, for, for LiDAR sensors. So, um, you know, it, it's a um, cast a wide net when it comes to development and improvements, um, but we do uh, invest quite a bit in the education uh, and, and also software uh, resources. <coughs> Uh, at Mortex. Um, and in addition, you know, we, we have different manufacturing sites and manufacturing capabilities. So uh, we have invested uh, quite a bit to expand, build our own equipment for, for you know, assembling uh, uh, lenses lens, and optical systems. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, a multi-pronged approach here. It's not, not such a, a simple answer. I hope I addressed the question <laughs> adequately. Sounds good to me. 
Definitely. I, yeah, I was going to go a little bit more. My question was going to be a slightly easier, so you wouldn't have to give the full, you know, spectrum of response. But I was simply going to say, Adam Moore, Text LiDAR Division, can you tell us something that's coming? Can you tell us something that we should look for over the next six to 12 months um, or areas of, of improvement, you know, that we should all get excited about? Yeah, the answer is no. I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> and there's um, our joke. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no, no. So the um, uh, I would love to, but so this is the you know, the beauty in on some level, and also uh, you know the uh, the other one of the other challenges for us as a, a lens manufacturer um, is that uh, um, uh, you know, like I, I I mentioned you know earlier, and I, I've joked joked with Steve quite a bit is um, you know we're not the we're not integrating the, the sensors and the optics in a lidar system, and we're also not integrating that system into uh, you know a, a headlamp for uh, you know a, a autonomous forklift. Forklift. And we're right. not making the forklift, so we're 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 da stages down in, in the supply chain, right? Um, and and so. You probably won't see anything from us necessarily, but you know, for us, for Mortex, you know, the approach is, you know, we're we're enabling the success of our customers, who then can enable the success of their customers, and then you know, enable safety and you know, improvement of life, quality of life, all those other things. So um, that's the funny thing about the division; we have no standard products, uh, but uh, you know. You'll you'll someday your life might be saved by, by a product that does include our lens. So, um, yeah. So we we do we do have I should say that's uh, you know in going back to actual standard products we do have as as Steve mentioned um, we do have lenses that uh, are off the shelf that are used for autonomous systems and I think the idea is that we'll feed back some of the technologies that we're using we're developing for the lidar products into. Uh, you know, these custom LiDAR products into other other lenses and components that we sell as standard. So, yeah. you know, like yeah. we have traffic designated lenses that are color corrected over the visible and, and near infrared ranges. Um, you know, they 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 have our logo on it, and you might see them in a in a camera system uh, that's mounted in a, in a traffic you know environment, uh, maybe yeah. checking speeds or looking at license plates. So it's kind of passing that technology that we develop on the high end down to the low end is where you'll see really where you see the output from the, the LiDAR division. Right. In many ways, the same way, uh, you know, Steve, that 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 your past work in electronics in one of the most challenging, you know, uh, machine vision end user industries in the, in the planet uh, has helped to improve your general machine vision optics line. Right. I mean, some of that transfers, even though, like you say, those of us in the peanut gallery may not be completely aware of what the small little parts are, whether it's for DFM or whether it's uh, a design innovation or material enhancement or whatever it might be. Uh, yeah, for sure. So we've been designing optics for um, semiconductors and optomechanical uh, components for, for a while. And uh, we haven't even integrated some of our optics into um wire bonders and different things that you wouldn't know until you open up the machine. Um, but we, we do have that as well. Um, right. And um, vibration resistance is very important. So we've had that capability for a long time. And now we've passed that on to our standard products uh, where you can get a CCTV lens that uh, matches up with one of uh, a low cost uh, sensor, has good image quality and vibration resistance, and is at a very good marketable price um, and matches um, the industry standard. So you'll see that as well. 
I think uh, the next time we have you guys on, we need to get someone from Luminar or someone else on the, at the assembly level, you know, so that they can give us insights from that. And then, you know, and then you can just look over and say, can, can we can we talk about that? Can we? Can we? That would, that'd be cool. But there, there's a lot more to talk about, especially in the nuance in terms of the material choices. I have a feeling, as John alluded to, there's a ton of innovation that's going on. You know, when you talk about hybrid lenses, whether it's plastic material, barrel, glass, all, you know, all the different IR, AR coatings, um, I, I, but, uh, and as to your point, in terms of the engineering growth you've got there, I, that also speaks to how much I think innovation you guys are putting in, how much you believe in that marketplace. Um, since I suspect LIDAR, you're, you're expecting to be a good growth market for you in the future without getting into specifics. Fair statement? Yes, very, very fair statement. That's why we would create a division specifically for it. <laughs> uh, well, it's, I mean, it's, it's for autonomous systems. Well, so it's, it's I like to make it. observations about the obvious as much as possible because, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, I'm in marketing. Is what do you mean? Uh, thank you, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, Jason, it has been a super pleasure for you to join me and my associate, John Lewis, um, today on Manufacturing Matters. Really want to thank you for your time. Thanks for sharing your info. Thank you. Yes, Appreciate thank you for, for having us. Um, you, you know, it's, it's great to have known you guys in the industry and also to, to work with you here and uh, try to contribute uh, uh, to, to get the word out on, on the technology. So uh, I appreciate what you do and thanks for having us. Our pleasure, everyone. And to our viewers out there, thanks for joining us on this episode of Manufacturing Matters. Be sure to check out our past episodes. You can find us on manufacturing-matters.com or any of your favorite podca uh, podcast platforms and social media. And until our next uh, episode, remember that manufacturing still matters here in the U.S. and around the world, and we can't wait to meet you again. Thank you.